0: This podcast is brought to you by BeatStars,
1: the number one marketplace to buy and sell beats. In this episode, our host DJ Payne1 chats with music producer Illmind about staying motivated and innovative in the music industry. To our ProPage users, don't forget to check out our opportunities and challenges on BeatStars World for a chance to work with some of the industry's best creators. If you're not a ProPage member, But would like to try it out, use the code PODCAST for a 30-day free trial. And of course, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Enjoy the show.
0: Shout out to everyone in the chat. I see a lot of regulars, um, and I see some people that aren't regulars. Shout out to uh, my best friend, Jacob. Um, but, you know, shout out to Bufo, shout out to uh, Cloud9, everybody else that's in the, in the chat. Um, <clears throat> last time, actually the last two sessions, I announced the Ozone uh, 9 Advanced giveaway from Isotope. So we're giving away three copies of that. And we already have the winners announced. So I'm going to announce them at the end of the session. I don't know if they're in the chat right now. If they are, that'll be cool for them. If not, they'll just get the the email um, with the free plugin, which is cool because that's a $500 plugin that they're getting for free. Uh, before I start and bring bring on the special guests, and yes, Bufa, this is live. Uh, a couple of announcements. I, I think this is the official revelation of the secret. B tape. It's the cosmic wave tape produced by PR beats. It's out now. Um, it's it's now streaming on all platforms. Check out the chat for the link. It's a complicated link that I'm definitely not speaking. Um, so just click on the link shout out to Sydney in the chat. And then also in terms of uh, all the opportunities that Stars has to offer its members, Including the all new playlist submissions, live show opportunities, challenges and more Make sure to visit beatstars.world opportunities Sydney's on it She, she uh, put that link in the chat before I even finished my sentence So click on that link as well um, This is a platform that definitely supports its, its users uh, Without further ado, let me bring on our special guest Ilmine, how are you feeling hey. sir? Hey, what's
1: going on Payne? What's up guys? How y'all doing man?
0: How are you feeling? Shout out to everyone in the chat already. Um and, you know this is interactive, this is live. I know I I, I tricked people last time cuz cuz last time I was from Europe and we just couldn't figure out the time zones. But this this is
1: actually live. Yeah, we are live, man. I uh, I see all the homies in the room. Buffo, best friend Jacob. What up, guys?
0: Yo, know, let me let me start things off. Number one, appreciate you uh coming on with us um especially since this is anything
1: for you pain come on you already know
0: yeah but this is the second one within the last what six seven months so that it's dope to have you on here i know you're doing a lot i know you had a kid i know you're you're living the dad life how is
1: how has that changed things it's uh i mean it's amazing it's amazing it's incredible it's surreal uh every every time i see my baby i'm like i can't believe i made you. I helped make you, you know? Um, but soon enough, you, you will start, you guys will start to see little, little trinkets and baby toys in my studio uh, as, you know, um, as she progresses and gets older, um, the house becomes messier and messier. So that part I'm not really looking forward to, but other than it's it, you know, a lot of diapers, a lot of feeding, a lot of no sleep, but it's helped me to appreciate a lot of the things about life um, that I never necessarily really appreciated before having a baby. So um, uh, it's, 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 it feels incredible.
0: All right. You think she's going to become a music producer or a creator somehow?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm really gonna, my whole plan is to sort of try my best to expose her and introduce her to different things. And, sort of nurture uh what i notice she really you know gains a passion for and if it's music it's music that would be awesome but um i'm, I'm actually really excited to kind of see what kind of you know creative or interesting things she starts to get into as she gets older so it's gonna be a lot of fun
0: well my best friend jacob wants to know if she's inspired you on a musical level
1: a million percent a million percent um you know, I already know. Like, as she gets older and she starts starts to speak, you know, she's only two months old. Um, she'll be two months in about five days from today. But as she starts getting older and she starts speaking and and I start noticing different things she's into, then um, you know, I, she'll have a direct impact on all of my decision making. You know, creative or business or life or just everything in general like i plan on spending a ton of time with her um on on so many different things so i'm I'm like really really excited
0: and it looks like uh this has officially been claimed as
1: blap chat territory now so (laughs) nice yeah i see what's going on i I see a lot of the black world in here man i miss you guys so much and shout to the entire beat stars team the mec team um, you know, this is all of you guys, man, like I love talking to you guys and, and I love, you know, to try to contribute where I can. So it's good to see a lot of you guys. I see a lot of familiar faces.
0: A whole, whole bunch of blap going on in the chat. Yo, know, um, I read this tweet from Slop Funk Dust recently about a Beat Society event that you had something about Kanye West, something about Elmine blew Kanye West off the stage. What, what's, what's, what went down that night?
1: Oh man. I I mean, I wouldn't say I blew him off the stage, but that was a really, really, really like life changing night for me. So a lot of my OGs kind of know, probably already know the story behind that, but um, uh, surprisingly a lot of people don't. So back in 2003, um, I got invited to perform at this producer showcase, which at the time was really like the first producer live showcase really in existence. Okay. I, I don't really remember necessarily back then any other sort of like ongoing live music producer shows or battles. And so it was called Beat Society and I got invited to partake um, because of uh you know, the music that I was posting at the time on this music forum on undergroundhiphop.com and the people running the show uh, reached out to me and they said, Hey, you know, like you're a new kid, like new kid on the block. You know, you're starting to like gain a little fan base on the forums and we'd love to give you a chance to, you know, come to Philadelphia and plug in your, you know, at the time beat machine and keyboard and play some of your beats and we have a special guest Kanye West that's going to be there and this was bef- right before college dropout uh dropped so it was Kanye West oh my god you know blueprint you're an amazing producer but we don't read we've never heard you rap before so this was pre Kanye rap post Kanye is an amazing producer Kanye so I did the the showcase and it was amazing uh you know, Kanye was there with his little ASR-10. I had my Triton at the time. And um, I was—I didn't have any placements. I was just like, I was a fucking kid. Like, and, and for, I guess, the people really enjoyed what I was playing. And I got a lot of love that night. And it really changed my life because it was the first time that I got to play my beats for a bunch of strangers, um, let alone like doing that in person, like in this like real big club setting. And back then at the time, like the Philadelphia crowd was very harsh, you know, very like, you know, hip hop, like arms crossed, like who's this Asian kid with these beats? Like I didn't come here to see him. I came here to see Kanye. Uh, so I, I really had a lot to prove that night and I was super nervous and, and, You know, I I pulled through and I I did it and it it boosted a lot of my confidence in my music. And I made a lot of really great connects that night and uh, it was life changing. So, yeah, and Slop, which is like one of the OGs, he's one of the first people that I met online that really started to show a lot of love on my beats. He was there and he's just always been such a huge supporter of mine since back then, man. That was that's almost like 20 years ago, which is insane. Um, and that was sort of like the beginning of, okay, Ill Mind is like sort of here to stay. And you you were working with the Triton back then? I was. I was, yeah. For like a, a few, I, I was on the Triton for like nine months, eight, nine months. I was on, and then I switched over to the ASR-10 like immediately after that.
0: Oh, was that inspired by what Kanye was doing with the ASR-10? Definitely. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. ASR ten is definitely a little heavier than the Triton. Um, it's not. It's not that mobile. So I I just respect that Kanye was hauling that thing around. It, it's damn near a car.
1: Yeah, oh, you know what? Consequence was there, and I remember Consequence was helping him carry his keyboard in, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, he had help. He didn't carry that on his own.
0: <laughs> nah, it's 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 hard. You know, I've done it before, and that you just kind of and I'm in shape and that thing just kind of swings wherever it wants to. Yeah. Um were you sampling with the Triton then?
1: I know I know it had sampling capabilities. I was doing both. I was doing both. The the thing I loved about the Triton I, I learned a lot using that Triton because it kind of forced me to um like learn how to play keys and sort of do, you know do the combination of like, you know, take a sample, chop it up, add drums, but then also like layer like a pad or a piano. So the Triton was the first experience for me where I was able to like kind of do both, um, without using a computer. And like, yeah, I definitely like learned so much from using it.
0: And so this was, this was all a result of you posting on the underground hip hop forum. Um, is is that the website that you met S one on?
1: It was. Yeah. I, I met a bunch of people on those forums. I mean, Slop Symbolic One um, Brooke from Justice League uh, Frank Dukes Who back then went by the name of Phase One uh, M Phases DCAP DA Got That Dope Um, So many of us We kind of came from that same school
0: And then someone wants to know uh, Sour Guy Gaming Did you try to stay in that mental space Musically So basically trying to prove yourself every step of the way.
1: Uh, they, they, are you wondering if I still have applied that to, to this day?
0: Sounds sounds like he's asking if that, yeah, if that
1: um, something that you used beyond, you know, after you got placements. For a long time, that was 100% a mentality for me, was trying to prove to other people, right? Like, I'm not just like this Asian kid from New Jersey who makes like hip hop beats. Like I'm going to let the music speak for itself. I'm going to prove to you guys that like my shit is fire and I'm, I'm and, and it's worth it. And, you know, back then all my shit, wasn't that good in my opinion. Like, I feel like I, you know, all my shit sounded like, you know, Jay Dilla, Pete Rock, like Manny Fresh, Timbaland knockoffs. you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, a lot of us sounded like that back then, but I was very much still creating with training wheels. I was very much still trying to look for a sound and um, building my confidence up. But, um, you know, the longer I did it, the more confidence I gained. And also with that confidence, the more I realized that it's this is less of a, a, a process of trying to prove myself to other people and more of a process of, let me just do this thing because it's fun. Let me, you know remind myself of like the reason why I started doing this and what got me so curious to make music so it became less of a competition and less of like you know trying to prove to everyone that I'm fire and more of this is super fun and it's a passion and I love this and like let me see where this goes
0: okay so to, to continue to talk about um, that forum because you did meet uh, S1 there, and S1 recently tweeted about his first four-song publishing deal, which actually took 23 major placements to fulfill, and it was even more complicated than that. I remember, God, I don't know how long ago it was—probably almost 10 years ago—when um, we were in the same room out here, and you explained the MDRCs. Uh, and just traditional co-publishing deals and my mind was blown because I was under the impression that as a producer if I get s- signed to a publishing deal and it's a four song deal all I have to do is get four placements and then I'm out um, and you explained that that's absolutely not how it works so um, cool. it, yeah it, it was it was a cautionary tale um I, I don't want to rehash the whole MDRC conversation because we covered it on the podcast and during the the Burn 1 session. Um, But did you end up signing a publishing deal early on?
1: I did. The first publishing deal I signed was in 2010, I believe. It might have been late 2009, but definitely 2010 was um, the year that I signed my first pub deal, and it was an MDRC deal as well. Um, And it wasn't even for that much money up front. Um, and, you know, to I guess to continue on, like, the the S1 story, of, he told his story, so a lot of people don't know this about my publishing deal story, but I had signed an MDRC 2010 for the bag, and it wasn't even a big bag, guys. Like, it was, like, the type of bag where, like, oh, wow, like, I can do this for another few months, and, but I need this right now because I'm, like, super broke right now. Did it, and... I literally just got out of that deal in 2015. You know, so like um, 2015, late 2015 um, was the year that I uh, made that I made an official team. So I had my manager came on board to start working with me, Jonathan Master, and then my attorney, uh, Vinny Kumar both of them started working with me officially in 2015 and they were both able, they were able to, um, negotiate and get me out of that deal. And it actually worked out for the better. Um, but, uh, if it wasn't for them, I, I, mean, who knows where I would be in my publishing right now? I mean, these things, those horror stories you guys hear about producers signing publishing deals and five, 10, 15, 20 years later, they're still in the same deal are all true. Um, and, uh, luckily now, Most publishing companies are no longer offering those types of like slave deals um, because there's enough information out there and there are enough uh, attorneys that are representing producers that already know not to take those types of deals. So, they're you know, most uh, really good um, uh, entertainment lawyers are advising against signing those types of deals. So, a lot of publishing companies are switching up their you know, their, their, their methods. And they're, they're realizing, you know what, like MDRC deals are just not going to work anymore.
0: Yeah. And I talked to street runner maybe a year or two ago and, and he had a similar horror story and then he ended up signing a new deal, which was an admin deal. And you see admin deals. I mean, beat stars now has admin deals available um, through Sony for their members. Is that something that you've, um, ever entertained or seen being a better option?
1: Yeah, definitely, man. Um, I'm definitely a fan of admin deals. You know, no two deals are the same. Uh, but my my criteria for all publishing deals, and I think this would help you guys, is whether it's an MDRC or a term deal um, or uh, an admin deal or a co pub deal. Or these are all fancy names, right? And and things can get very overwhelming and confusing. But my philosophy, and I think the most simple way to put it and to remember before you sign a publishing deal is this, whatever amount of money that is given to you, all you have to remember is that you have to pay that back. So if you're confident in yourself that you can pay back $100,000 in one year, two years, three years... Via your publishing, uh, real estate, right through your publishing, then that might be worth exploring, right? Let's say you have nothing going on. Let's say you're a brand new producer, but you like you your beats are fire, and like you you want to sign a big publishing deal, but you have no placements, and you don't necessarily have too many relationships, or really too much going on. And then in comes this publishing company. They would never do this, by the way. But in comes this publishing company, and they say, hey, new kid on the block. We really love your shit. We want to offer you a publishing deal for a million dollars, right? And that sounds amazing and life-changing, which it is. Um, You have to remember that if you take that deal, you have nothing built up to pay that back. And you have to always remember that you're going to have to pay that money back somehow. Uh, And so if you put yourself in that type of hole, the deeper of the hole you put yourself, the more frustration, the more confusion, the the longer you're going to be stuck in these deals um, and the more you're going to have to rely on the publishing company or other people to bring opportunities to you. And that's very, very few and far between. A lot of times as producers, we have to find our own opportunities, which a lot of people don't know. You know, like 90% 90% of the big producers who are getting big placements are all because we're, we're out getting these placements ourselves, right? Um, and a, a lot of people don't know that. So you just have to weigh your risk. You have to sort of do a risk assessment and say, all right, well, the more money this, these people give me, the more deeper in a hole I'm going to be and the the more difficult this might be to fulfill. So I'm always a fan of, think about how much you're worth right now, right? Think about, okay, how many placements have I gotten in the past year? How many placements do I have in total in the past five years, 10 years, even if they're independent things like a little bit of, you know, um, a little bit of um, tune core co-production here, or a little YouTube placement here, you know, a, a, a little song that I did, that got, you know, 200,000 streams on Spotify, which is like not the best, but not terrible. All of these little drops in a bucket add up. So you have to ask yourself, okay, how much am I, is my publishing worth? Like how, I, how much in dollars am I really worth? And if, if you tell yourself, okay, well, I, I haven't really done that much, but I'm probably worth $20,000, right? Let's just, just make an example. So let's say as a producer, your publishing is worth $20,000. So the whole idea is that if you go find a publishing deal and you really overestimate and you feel like you're worth $20,000 right now today, um, I would be okay with accepting a publishing deal for half of that. So if someone comes in and offers you $10,000 up front, that's around the ballpark of something that you should explore um, because what ha- what happens is publishing companies most of them not all of them but most publishing companies will sign a writer or a producer and the day that they sign they're already in the green they're already they already made their money the day they sign because what they tend to do is publishing companies tend to give half of the money up front of what that producer is really worth so the, the pub company will go and they'll do extensive research on your catalog and they'll make an estimation of what you're worth currently today. So Payne One, and I'm making this up, Payne One, if your current production um, publishing catalog as of April 22nd, 2021 is worth $600,000, then there's a $300,000 bag waiting for you. So, that's what they do. They make sure that they will never be in the hole, and so they'll give a producer an amount of money where they already have already made their money just by signing you because they only gave you half of that.
0: So here's a here's a good question then um, to follow up on what you were saying about you know paying the uh, the advance back. How does that work? How do you as the producer pay that advance back?
1: Well, I'm not like a, a, um, a publishing accounting professional, so I don't know the, the, the super detailed technical um, components to it. But what I do know is that you pay it back through getting big songs, right? The more, the, the more streams your song gets, the more placements, the more exposure, the bigger the song the, the, the bigger the publishing worth and the, the, the quicker and easier you're going to be able to pay off your publishing debt um, if you are in that publishing situation with a company. Um, so the, the whole premise is the bigger the songs, the more publishing worth. I mean, if you get a song on the Hot 100, like, that's a huge feat and that's worth a lot. If you get a song, even if it's a co-pro, if you get a song on the top ten Billboard, you you you're entering like seven figure publishing deal territory. If you let's say you produce, you fully produce a song with no samples, no co-producers, no clearances, you get one hundred percent of your portion, and you hit that on the Billboard top ten, you can get a million dollar publishing deal. So hit records. Um, Hot 100 billboard records are the money makers um, for publishing.
0: Asking about a a comment you made that producers are really in charge of getting their own opportunities, getting their own placements, so forth. Um, The last time you were on here, uh, you told the story of how Lin-Manuel Miranda listened to your album with Joel Ortiz and reached out via Twitter, which led you to working on the Moana soundtrack and also a whole bunch of other stuff like the the um, Hamilton mixtape and so forth. I want to go back to that um, album that, that you did with Joel Ortiz. How how did you build up relationships with rappers like him to the point that you're partnering on entire albums?
1: You know what? It's, um, it's just a lot of like chain reactions over many years, right? Um, the, the Joel Ortiz, me me and Joel really starting to get to know each other. I can trace if I can trace back the, the, the sort of relationship connections, I can trace it all the way back to 2007. Right. So, and me and Joel, did our album in 2015. So we we're talking um, an 8-year stretch, an 8-year stretch of of of, you know, different human relationship connections that I had to make to get to that point. And then after the Human album became Lynn Manuel Miranda, which became Disney, which became oh my god, we're out of here. You know what I mean? Disney money. So 2007 i'll give you the quick version guys 2007 i met i went to fader magazine uh, because my ex at the time right she was working there i met this dude named matt at fader who worked at fader um i don't know if you guys are old enough to know fader mad cornerstone i went to the office i met this dude matt he's like yo ill mind oh you're a producer I manage this kid. Um, he sings, he raps, he's amazing. He's like 16 years old uh, or 17 years old. You know, I want to introduce you. He introduced me to him. His name is Jared Evan. I get introduced to Jared and we hit it off. I get to know him. We make a bunch of music. Everything's great. And then 2000, oh, was it 2010? It might've been 2011. 2011, um, you know, still working with Jared. Jared creates an album with Static Selector called Boom, Bap and Blues. So Jared calls me and says, hey, or this, this might have been 2013, I'm sorry, 2012. 2012, Jared's like, hey, I'm working on this album with Static Selector. Can you pull up? Um, I would love for you to help us mix the, the, the album. So I pull up. I meet Static for like the second or third time. Me and Static gets billed. This is when he was living in Brooklyn. I was in Brooklyn too. So then, as I'm leaving that session, in comes Joel Ortiz. Never met him before. I'm like, yo, Joel, I'm a big fan. This was like when Slaughterhouse was still like a thing. Uh, I'm like, yo, Joel, big fan. Um, I got some beats, bro. Do you want to hear some? And this is me on my way out, him coming in. And he was like, yeah, play some shit. I played some shit. He's like, yo, this is amazing. Um, we hit it off. And then we exchanged numbers. And then from there, we just got to know each other. 2015, we decide to just do an album. So we do an album. That album gets into the hands of this guy, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's the creator of Hamilton on Broadway, the most successful Broadway show of all time. Um, and then I end up producing uh, a bunch of stuff for that Hamilton album. And then Lin-Manuel, a few months later calls me and says, hey, I'm working on this Disney soundtrack, this movie called Moana. I would love for you to work with me on this. And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. So then I end up working on that. And then it even snowballs even more. And that was like 2017, right? So this whole thing, getting to Disney, you can see the plaque right there. I have two, but that's the one for Moana Disney soundtrack. Um, That took 10 years to do that. Um, and, And it was a lot of, bobbing and weaving and, and and jumping to different places to get to that point. So that's, that's you know, I think that's a very important thing to bring up. I'm glad you asked that, Payne, because the number one question for us is how do we get big placements? And I guarantee you guys, 100% of the time, every big placement that everyone has ever gotten, from me to Payne to Wanda, Hit Boy, my, my man G. Rai who's killing it, Cardiac, everyone, you you name them, right? They have a crazy story for every single placement.
0: Yeah. So, so right now, what, so you know, say there, there are producers watching that want to get placements. What what can producers start doing right now to build up that level of momentum to the point where you know maybe three, four, five, ten years down the line, things all of a sudden come into fruition and they start. Uh,
1: Sorry, you're, you're breaking up a little bit, but um, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, I think it, it must be my internet. Okay, cool. Um, my biggest piece of advice, I'm going to keep it very simple for you guys. Very simple. right? Everyone talks about relationships and networking and all that stuff, which, which is very true. But I'm going to keep it very, very simple. Become self-aware, and I don't think I've ever said this before, become self aware of your energy and how people um how people react to your energy when you meet them right and i think that's important because not all we're all different we're all human beings some of us some of us have we we're, none of us are perfect some of us have great communication skills some of us don't Some of us are very funny and charming. Some of us are quiet and reserved and not super charming, right? Some of us are super outgoing. Some of us are recluse. And there's no right or wrong. But I think it's very important to be self-aware of how you make people feel when you meet them for the first time. Because the thing that's going to increase your chances of getting from one person to the next person to the next person to the next person is how you make people feel right. And I'm talking about how you get from Jared from, from Fader magazine to Matt, to Jared, to static, to Joelle, to Lin-Manuel, to the rock Disney. It's how you make people feel. So I would say step number one is try to become self-aware of how you make people feel when you meet them. Um, And uh, I think that's extremely, extremely, extremely important. Um, and the second thing is to have faith in the past, right? Have faith in the past. When I met Jared in 2007, I had no idea that Disney was in my cards 10 years later. No idea. I didn't know. I didn't care. I wasn't thinking about it. And I shouldn't have been thinking about it. Because if I was thinking about it, I probably would have made the wrong decisions to get there. I probably would have ended up overthinking stuff or trying, you know, altering my own destiny in a way um, where it it was detrimental instead of helpful. And so you have to have this level of trusting the future, trust the process, trust the universe, have faith in the current thing that you're doing because whatever current thing you're doing is going to place you where you need to be To get to the next thing and then when you get to that next thing you continue to have faith in the process you continue to focus on what you're doing right now and that will open you up again to the next step and then you keep pivoting until you get to these wins you get to these plaques you get to this person you get to this opportunity and it just it just snowballs from there but if you don't have faith in the process if you don't have faith in the future you're going to make really bad decisions. And if you make bad decisions, you're just going to delay the process.
0: So back, back to the, uh, Jor-El Ortiz album that was released through empire, I believe. Right.
1: Uh, we, yeah, actually we did put it out on empire. Shout out to my man, Ghazi.
0: Yep. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to Ghazi. Um, it's definitely a friend of the MEC. Um, yeah, what a lot was, of people. do but
1: I'm actually I'm actually signed to to Empire, my publishing. Side note, I'm a, a co Empire. Is that an admin deal
0: or a traditional co-pub deal?
1: It's a term deal. It's a really okay. I'm very very happy there. Um, Ghazi and the whole squad, they're amazing. They're incredible, and uh, yeah, I, we we have a really good deal with them.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Did this happen after the Moana soundtrack?
1: No, actually, so a lot of people don't know this. So, uh, shit, I haven't even said this at all, but I'm going to say it right now. Um, I was actually signed to Atlantic Records um, from 2017. Um, I Since 2017, uh, I was signed to Atlantic, um, an, an actual artist deal. Um, but I just never put out music. I had the, oppor- I had the opportunity to... Um, put music out on Atlantic and um, I just never did and we sort of just like parted ways and um, ended up not happening you know it just wasn't the right time and you know the right pieces weren't in place you know so and, and again that's just another example of like, some, like something that no one knows about behind the scenes that had to happen um, but you know it ended up sort of being a blessing right so um yeah, so now I'm I'm with um, Empire and Atlantic or Empire and Cobalt.
0: Yeah, okay, I didn't realize that. And then, how did you end up signing to Cobalt Empire? I didn't even realize that Empire was offering um, publishing deals in, in partnership with Cobalt.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I've been signed to them. When did I sign with them? I want to say. 2018 20 2017 maybe i think tw- 2017 2018 around that time is when i when i made it uh, official with uh, cobalt and empire
0: so h- h- what was the process of getting the joel ortiz collab album to empire and and how did that compare because empire is still technically an independent but they're a big independent how did that compare to working with with the majors
1: um Honestly, it didn't feel super different. You know, Empire is... I mean, they're doing... They're performing better than some of these major artists. You know what I mean? Um, I don't really... Excuse me. At this point, I sort of consider them a major in a way. Um, you know, they've expanded. So to, so their, their their squad is so big now. They have so many hit records. Um, they're definitely like at that point where I would categorize them as like sort of a, I don't even know if this is a thing, but like an indie major. I don't know if that, that probably makes no sense.
0: But yeah. No, like an E1 or, or like a, maybe even a Strange Music, but pro- probably more like an E1 because Strange Music is a little more uh, boutique, I guess, or not yeah. boutique. Um, They're smaller. Exactly. They focus e- on, yeah.
1: E- E1 is probably a, the uh, perfect example, um, but it didn't feel too different. You know what I mean? I mean, the, the Joel Ortiz album in 2015 was the, technically the first, you know, album that I, like, executive produced that I had artist rights on, right? Um, ar- having artist rights, when I say that, I mean my producer name is included on every, on, on everything. So it's on the album title. Um, I get artist rights in terms of points on the album, not just as a producer, but as an artist, Right. That a lot of people don't know the difference between the two. Um, so it was my first opportunity to have artist rights on a full project, not just like, hey, this is executive produced by Illmind and he's in the credits, but he's not like really front and center. Um, so it, it was it was a learning experience for me. I had a blast. We, we did a tour and it was a lot of fun. It felt very indie. It felt very street. Um, and me and Joel just get along. He's like one of my good friends at this point.
0: So we just, we had a blast. And, uh, God, I have a lot of questions, but we only have 20 minutes. I'm
1: here. I'm chilling, man. I'm
0: good. Okay. Um, let me, I know BeatStars is a little stricter, but so, okay, you dropped a a album, another album that you did with an artist recently that was Guap 4000.
1: How, How did you end up releasing that one? So that came out on a label called 88 Rising, um, which, um, also has uh, sort of these boutique labels under it. Um, and the label that we released on is called Paradise Rising, which is actually the Filipino-based, um, uh, I guess, you know, boutique label of 88 Rising. So 88 Rising is, like, mostly an Asian-based label. They're a major out there. Um, and, they, they you know, they put out Joji, who's, like, a huge global star, Um, And and a bunch of Asian acts that are like just basically like killing, just killing shit right now on the streams Um, and and just dude, the Asian market is insane. A lot of people don't know that like the Asian market is where like all the streams come from. I mean, I I think there's a statistic where the the Philippines alone uh, accounts for like 70 or 80 percent of all of the streaming in Asia like the philippines is like a streaming monster it's crazy so uh Gu- guap Dad and i put out our album on 88 rising um and you know it, yeah it's it's been it's been a real real good experience it's been a trip
0: yeah what, what's the marketing like because you released that during the quarantine so you couldn't tour off that project obviously but what what are the marketing efforts like
1: a lot of Zooms, just like this, a lot of, you know, Zoom calls. And we've done tons of interviews, uh, pretty much all on Zoom. Uh, and when Glob had come, he came to Jersey and we had an Airbnb out there and um, we filmed a lot of content while he was out there. So uh, we were able to do that, you know, during quarantine. But outside of that, uh, most of it has just been online. Through Zoom. Um, and, you know, it, it's doing what it's doing. I think that's sort of the era that we're in right now, at least for right now, is, um, you know, doing the Zoom interviews and people are consuming online. I think, you know, it's the quarantine is a gift and a curse because it's sort of like, in a way, forcing all of us to sort of be on our computers more, which is beneficial for some industries. It's beneficial for our industry. Um, but you know, it's, it sort of takes away from others for obvious reasons. So, um, but yeah, it's been all online and we, we just got a feature in Asian journal, uh, which is like a huge deal. They're like the OG, like, uh, uh, I don't even know what to like the, I don't even want to say New York post cause they're trash, but the Asian journal is like a huge deal. And, uh, we got like a big interview with them that just came out. And if you go to your local Asian, Grocery store, guys, right? Uh, and they have Asian Journal. The current uh, issue that's out right now on newsstands uh, has like a two or three pager uh, with me and Guadag doing an interview. And uh, I actually have to go to the Filipino store later on today to, to try and get me a copy. Um, but yeah, so it's like stuff like that. We've been very niche, to, um, doing a lot of stuff out there, but then also here in America. Okay,
0: so when you started... Working on the album with goop that did you already have the 88 Rising deal in place, or did you come out of pocket for everything, all the flights, all the sessions, everything, and then got the deal with 88 Rising?
1: We sort of locked it down like at the same time when we decided to do an album together. We had at that time we had already like four to six songs and um when we were like let's just keep going and do an album i think it was literally like the same week um we had locked in the deal with 88 rising so it happened pretty quick it happened pretty quick um every everything just all the pieces just sort of came into place at the same time
0: how did that deal happen was that somebody that you knew someone that he, that he knew
1: it was all someone at guap knew i mean guap from his work, he had built a relationship with the people at 88 Rising. And then um, and then when he brought us in and we started, you know, putting, putting everything together, putting pieces into place, uh, we ended up sort of like all knowing some of the same people. So it kind of all came full circle. Um, and that's, uh, you know, an- another album, the second album where I got artist rights. So this is, you know, it's been a five year break for me, but, um, you know, having having artist rights on an album um, is just something that, you know, I'm going to start doing a lot more, um, just artist rights on songs. But um, to do that with Guap was really special. And, you know, thanks to 88 Rising, they they made it happen.
0: For, for the people in the chat, what's the difference between artist rights and producer rights or art rather artist points and producer points on an album?
1: So again, I'm not a professional, so, I don't know the the super super detailed technical aspects of it, but in the simplest way I can put it, when you produce um, a song on an album, around someone's album, or just you produce a song for an artist, um, the the artist is entitled to the artist the, the producer is not entitled to um, a certain is or the, let me say this a producer is only entitled to a certain amount of points, which is percentages of the, of the song. Right. Um, And when you have artist rights, you basically have access to receiving more points on that song and on that album Um, because you're a primary artist, right? You're, you're not just like the producer that comes in and does their thing. You're, you're the producer that comes in, but you're also part of the group. You're part of the artist um, rights your your name is front and center if there's a Times Square billboard it's gonna say your name and the the artist you know what I mean um, and you're seeing a lot more of it happen lately you know especially with the bigger producers
0: all right let's uh, switch gears a little. Um, I think it was you who explained nfts in terms of baseball cards am I wrong on that?
1: Yeah. I did. That was
0: Damn. fun. Okay, it was you. Okay, because that really put things into um, into clearer terms. Uh, so I want I want to talk about NFTs
1: in, in a NFT. nutshell. What the NFTs are my favorite thing right now. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. So explain explain NFTs to someone who just doesn't understand it. How would you do that in in simple terms?
1: Okay. okay. So NFT stands for non fungible token. You don't have to worry about that, right? Don't even don't even think about that. An NFT is basically a receipt. That's all it is. It's a receipt. Think of it this way. It's a receipt made of permanent marker on permanent gold that you can never delete, that you can never alter, right? A paper receipt is a fucking piece of paper with writing on it. If I burn it, or rip it, or throw it away, it's gone forever, right? Like the receipt that you get at the gas station for whatever or wherever you're going, that's your little record of, of of proof that you purchased that item, right? But if I take that receipt and I throw it out, the only other evidence of that ever happening is maybe in like the cash register history of that store, right? That would be the only place that any evidence of me purchasing that thing would live. So an NFT is basically a token that is a permanent receipt, a permanent record of a transaction. That's all you have to know for now. That's the super basic way to put it. And it's very powerful. It's very powerful because what that allows for us to do is prove easily prove ownership of whatever we want, whether it's, you know, um, this coffee, which I'm holding with my hand or, you know, a fucking, uh, MP3 that, you know, that you purchased somewhere or an MP3 that I gave to pain one, um, any transaction that happens, you can prove and it's un- unhackable, unbreakable, it's permanent and it's public, which means anyone can see what happened in that transaction, who created it, who sent it, where did it come from? How much was it was it how much was it purchased for? What currency was it purchased for with? Is it US dollars, fiat money, Ethereum, Bitcoin, DAI, whatever it is, and it's all recorded on what's called a blockchain. Right, I'm sure you guys have heard the, the word blockchain tossed around here and there. Um, it's all being recorded on a a, a blockchain which you can gain access to so that's sort of the gist of it and now because of that we're able to prove ownership of digital assets that's why nfts are blowing up and art world is blowing up and you got people dropping nfts because it's proving ownership and when you can prove ownership of something from a trusted source the value of that thing maintains value You can guarantee it's not a copy right um even if i send the same mp3 you know if if i if pain one acquires an mp3 from me for some crypto and it's on the blockchain and we can prove that he is the true owner of that mp3 and then pain one accidentally shares it with a friend and now they have the same mp3 even though the file is completely identical the friend with the fake mp3 or the duplicate mp3 has no way of proving that they own that mp3 only pain one does so because pain one can easily prove that he owns the real version pain one pain one's version is more valuable which means that he can resell it for for the amount that it's worth because it's the real version does that make sense
0: uh, to, to me, it makes sense. Hopefully, it makes sense to others. Uh, I recently had Burn1 on as a guest, and he believes that NFTs will disrupt the music business and empower producers. Um,
1: Absolutely. I think I think NFTs are going to disrupt life. Mm. It, it's it, the, the non-fungible token, receipts living on a blockchain, is going to be part of everyday life. I'm going to predict this to happen before the end of the decade, but I would say as early as 2024, 2025, maybe even earlier, um, I believe that um, non-fungible tokens will run the world. Uh, Grocery stores, um, you know, proving it's going to be a way to prove purchases, to prove where we were, to prove where we are, to prove everything.
0: How do you think that's going to apply to the music business, specifically for producers? How is that going to change our standing in the music business?
1: I think in general, it's just going to help. It's going to help to, it's just going to help to prove stuff, right? Whatever that means. So if I need to prove that that's my sample and I composed it, I'm going to be able to without any doubt, without going in, without having to take legal action or without having to, you know, pull up stems and show you that I made this beat, you know, and that you stole it. Um, so I think it's going to protect us in that way exactly what makes uh, master mike said in the chat prevent fraud um i think it's going to definitely help do that um i think it's really going to just help to prove what we need to prove right whatever that means
0: uh let's talk more about that um so it's, it's hard to keep up with you honestly because you're an early <laughs> adapter of a lot of uh of a lot of emerging technologies um, and NFTs are one thing. And now you've embraced, and a lot of people are talking about AI in the chat, you've embraced artificial intelligence, but you've also combined that with NFTs. Talk about swirl loops and, and what that is.
1: Yeah. So I very, very low key started to an experiment and I created an NFT, which is not on sale. There's one that's like low key on sale on foundation, but I haven't officially released them yet. And so I created these AI-generated sample loops that I programmed, um, and uh, each one of those loops is associated with uh, a graphic image, uh, which is a combination of colors and movements. Um, they look like little hurricanes. Honestly, they're just they're hurricanes, um, and they're called swirl loops, and uh, they're one of ones, and you can only get them uh, through the NFT market. Right. So I haven't released them yet. Um, I will release them at some point, but it's just a fun little thing I wanted to do. Um, And, you know, a lot of people don't know that like I've actually been incorporating AI um, in my melody composing for like the past three or four years. I remember the first AI generating VST I got like three or four years ago fucking blew my mind. And I'm like, wow, like I can just hit random and then this thing will spit me ideas and I can tweak those ideas however I want. So I'm no longer, um, I'm no longer uh, bound by what I'm, what I can play on my, on the keys anymore. I I have access to this whole palette of ideas. Um, And so that's actually what's been, what's helped me for the past three, four years, what's helped me just crank out so many ideas is because I'm incorporating AI technology into my melody compositions. Right. And then I'm taking those and I'm, I'm fine-tuning them, I'm moving notes that are incorrect, and then I'm doing that. Um, So, you know, creating an NFT of AI loops and swirl loops was sort of a natural progression. And it's that right there is like, it's an experiment for me. Like, all these NFTs that I'm doing are all experiments. Like, I'm not making, it's not for the money, I don't, I'm not doing it for money. Um, It's all for, let me do this thing and disrupt a little bit and see what happens and see if I could come up with another you know, thing that we can all maybe try. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm having a lot of fun doing that.
0: All right. We have a few minutes left. I keep wanting to talk about... God, I have a lot of questions. Um, I'm here. Back, back to non-NFT-related um, stuff. So advice to... No, oh, no, no. Let me switch. Um, you mentioned your your manager earlier on and you said you signed to, to your management uh, what what year it, it wasn't it wasn't too long
1: ago it was like 2014 2015 and that's
0: that's was same plant management uh, yes so in your experience what does a producer manager actually do
1: so from my personal experience with john um I think the manager's job is to, well, it depends, right? I think it depends on the relationship and it depends on what the, I'll just call it a client. I know it sounds like kind of stupid, but whatever. Like it depends on what the client is, the client's expectations are and what the manager's expectations are. Some managers are are, um, everyday personal managers. Like, hey, you have a meeting at 3 p.m., don't, don't forget. Or, hey, remember, you know, uh, we're going on tour, blah, blah, blah. You need to get this, this, this. You have to call this person. Or, hey, did you send those files for blah, 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 right? That's like an everyday manager, like a, almost like a babysitter, no offense, but like someone who's, who's managing your everyday. And then you have like a more of a business manager where they're making big phone calls. They're representing you um, for for important things, big things, they're putting big plays together. And that's, you know, a different sort of functioning manager. And then you have other managers that do a little bit of both. Right. So my relationship with John is very much him making big calls, right? Like he's not like micromanaging me in terms of like my everyday. So he's not like, Hey, how many beats did you make today? Or, Hey, swirl loops. I think you should add this or change this, or what you know, format should we put this in, blah blah blah. Like, luckily, a lot of that stuff I do on my own. I like to do on my own. Um, so it, it's a good fit because he does a lot of the big stuff, and then I get to just like sort of have the freedom to to sort of do the ground level stuff. And he'll he'll come in here and there on little things if he needs to, but for the most part, that's kind of our dynamic.
0: I have a couple more questions. Um, you, you recently tweeted it that it seems like the ones who over strategize everything end up not really doing anything, and the ones going with the flow and not overthinking it are actually seeing progress. Um, you make samples, you make drum kits, you make beats, you run a mentorship program, you develop a course, you stream, you have a podcast, you run, a, you, you were running an auction site you're marketing yourself you have a pure apparel you've toured you have nfts you have your own cryptocurrency um how much how, how, how do you structure all of that do you ever feel spread too thinly especially if you're just kind of going with the flow and not necessarily overthinking at all how does that work out in, in day-to-day life for you
1: Man, when you say all those things in one sentence, it just it makes me shiver a little bit because I'm like, like, what, what am I? I'm crazy. What am I thinking? Like, <laughs> how am I? I don't know, man. I honestly don't know the answer. Um, I tend to jump into things that feel good. I jump into things that feel fun. Um, I, if I feel physically and mentally overwhelmed or exhausted, I tend to pull away. So I think for me, at least what works for me is I, I tend to take action as quickly as possible on things that feel very exciting. Because I know that, you know, it's a 72-hour 70, rule, right? This is what Drake talks about, but this is a different version of what Drake was talking about. The 72-hour rule basically is if you're excited to do something right now and you don't take action... 24 hours later, you're not going to feel as... You'll still be excited, but you're going to kind of forget about it a little bit. You're not going to be as excited. 48 hours later, you're going to be even less excited about it. 72 hours later, you're going to completely forget about it, right? So I'm sort of the type of person to take immediate action on things that feel great. Let's put a cryptocurrency together. Fuck, let's go. Who do we call right now? Um... Let's put together AI loops, call them Swirl Loops, and start pushing the button on that. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's start now. Put out a sample pack, Alorium, NFT. Fuck, that sounds crazy. How do we, let's fucking finish this in the next, you know, three hours. So that's the type of person I am. So that's helped me to be able to execute all the things that I'm able to execute. Now, not everything works. None of it's flawless. Um, but it's not meant to be. Uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm I'm a fan of jumping into things that feel good, feel right, trying them. Not everything's going to work. Some things will work. Some things won't. The things that do work, you keep putting energy into. The things that don't feel good anymore or just don't seem to work or just feel more stress stressful, um, I tend to pull out of more. Um, and kind of where I am right now is sort of the result of it all right? So I think it's a delicate balance. I think everyone functions differently. Um, obviously I have a baby now, so I don't have the same luxury as I did of just like, Hey, I'm going to LA or, Hey, I'm going to see pain one for a week. Like I can't necessarily do that without having to pre-plan a lot. But outside of that, um, I think, you know, approaching things in that way, um, is super helpful.
0: All right, just, just a general question to end things, and I appreciate you staying for the full hour. Um, what else is happening this year? What's what's What are you working on right now that you're excited for?
1: Man, oh, so much. So uh, right now the focus is my baby. And then, so I'm not really making that much music, but I'm going to start soon. So one of the big focuses right now is my Black Coin. Um, hold on one sec, are you good? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, right? Just one second, guys. Sorry. So, one of my big, big priorities right now is my cryptocurrency, my Black Coin. Uh, so it's out. If you guys missed a memo on that, the Black Coin is available to purchase right now. Um, it's on my website, Illmindproducer.com. It's all real. It's real money. It lives on the Rally Token, uh, which is under the ERC20. Uh, Ethereum. So it's on Ethereum. Uh, And um, the whole point of the token is for you guys to be able to purchase exclusive things from me. Right. That's the whole purpose of it is so you guys could participate in my economy. You guys can share coins, donate coins, trade them um, and spend them on different things that I offer. Right now, I'm offering sort of a small menu of of things you can purchase an ill-mind beat i haven't sold a beat to the public in eight nine years uh, and it's the first time i'm doing it you can literally purchase a collab with me like i'm i'm giving all these these things that i haven't done before um i'm doing now with my black coin but what i'm really excited about right now is i'm working on an actual storefront where you can just like to the website and you can literally click what you want and check out using my coin which is super, super, super game-changing, like for me at least, and I hope it is for you guys. So again, I'm just going to continue to to give as much as possible to inspire you know, you guys and, and and create this sort of economy where we can all sort of share ideas, thrive, network with each other, and, and build as creative people. And that's what I'm doing on Twitch. Um, Twitch is another thing I'm working on. I'm excited about that. I'm coming back. I haven't streamed in two months um but i am making an official comeback um in may okay so in may i'll be back and i'll be streaming again three days a week i got the nanny coming full-time nanny so <laughs> it's it's go time so i'm back on twitch um i'm going to be in i'm going to be incorporating and integrating my black coin currency into twitch so you're going to see the beat battles you're going to be able to win some coin you're going to be able to use your coins on different things on the channel subs. Everything's going to be integrated, so I'm excited about that. Um, I got more music come in. I got a, I got a, a, a pretty crazy remix of a song uh, on one of one of the songs on I me and Guap That's album. The verse came in. I can't say who, um, but the the song is crazy. We're going to drop a remix pretty soon, and maybe some other you know bonus tracks or whatever. Uh, and then just a bunch of placements, placements. Uh, More NFT ideas. I've been collaborating with a lot of amazing visual artists on these, like, NFTs, and I'm just, like, having so much fun in that space. Just, like, getting into that space and just, like, discovering all these amazing visual artists and creating these, like, experience, visual audio experiences with them has been so fun, dude. Like, I haven't had this much fun in in a minute, and so, uh, I have a, a lot more of the NFT sort of collabo stuff, uh, coming out soon. And what else that, I mean, that's, oh, I got, oh, should I, I might as well tell you guys. So I'm, I'm working on a plugin. Um, my first plugin, I mean, technically I had a plugin, um, called, um, what I, what I even call it? I forgot what it was called, but I released it a long time ago. Rumshaker. shaker. It was a, a contact plugin. Um, but I actually am, I'm working on a plugin. So it's official on record. Um, I can't say what or what it is or when, but I'm working on it and it's so sick, dude. Uh, and for the record, it's not, a you know, tape machine type fucking, you know, plugin. Like, it's not like a sample, run your samples through this. Uh, and I love those by the way, um, much respect, but, um, it's not another one of those. It's something completely new, different. No one's done it before. I did market research on it. No one's done it, and it's something that I think is going to change all of our lives as producers. Um, so I'm super excited about that, and that's that's basically it, man. Like, kind of, we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, things can change in like six months, and I'm like on some new shit, but we'll see where the future takes us.
0: I mean, that's a lot. Do you ever use uh, Isotope plugins?
1: I love Isotope. I actually use Isotope 5. I have like the old school shit, but I I love
0: that. Well, th- this is a good segue then cuz I'm about to hook 3 people up with Isotope Ozone 9 Advance. I don't know how many of Wait, them are I, in
1: I, the chat. In I need that. I need that.
0: Shit. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, me too. I don't even have it, but I'm giving <laughs> I'm giving three of them away. Um, I do have RX8. RX8 is amazing. Shout out to Isotope for that. But um the three chat participants who won this based on Everything that happened over the last two weeks are, number one, Rock 5, number two, Cloud9 Music, number three, BK Anderson. So shout out to all of them. Um, I know some of them are, all of them actually are BeatStars users, so they're going to get inboxed with details on how to claim their prize. But congratulations, they have all won copies of uh, Ozone. 9 Advanced, which is a great plug-in. Um, and I, I know it has a whole bunch of advanced uh, features that weren't available before, so um, I'm going to have to check that out. Congratulations to all of you. Shout out to everyone in the chat sticking with us, asking questions, engaging. Um, okay, Cloud9 is here. Yeah. Congratulations. And uh, Ilman, yeah. thank you so much. Appreciate, appreciate your time. Appreciate you always sharing your information to the producer community. I, I really feel like Nobody can ever in a million years say that producers in the producer community are gatekeeping because it's just not happening. Um, as long as there are people like you around. So Thank appreciate you so that much. much continued success. Uh, really looking forward to hearing about this plugin that's going to change the game. And uh, I hope so. to everybody,
1: I really hope it does. I mean, it, you know, I just want to continue to just do things that are helpful. That's really what my mission is. Like if my, if my, cryptocurrency is helpful to people, then I'm gonna do it. You know what I mean? The NFTs I really is helpful. I just want I just want things that I do to improve people's lives. That's really what it comes down to. So I appreciate you. All
0: right. Till next time everybody, I'll be back same time, same place, and we will talk soon. Peace everyone.